This is the message given by Pastor James Lim during the evening worship service at Faith Presbyterian Church, Long Beach, California, for March 5th, 2023. The title of the message is Discipleship and the Mortification of Sin. Well, if you would open your um, hymnals with me. Uh, Sorry, no, 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 I take that back. Scripture reading. We come now to the scripture reading. See, when it's time to read scripture, I want to sing, right? This morning, I want to read, and now we have to sing. Okay, so uh, turn with me to Mark chapter 9. If you would put your finger on Mark chapter 9, uh, verses 42 to 50, and then turn with me to the Old Testament, Proverbs chapter 6, 16 to 19. Thought we would just take a, a small break from uh, the pastoral epistles uh, on this uh, Lord's Supper occasion. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 to 19, and then afterwards flip over to Mark 9. Hear now the reading of God's holy word, beginning in verse 16. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among the brothers. What we see there then, as you'll, as you'll see, well, there's a connection with what we're going to read in Mark uh, regarding uh, what, I, what I'm going to describe as the organs of, of sin and corruption. So here now then, uh, God's word in verse 42 to 50. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than with hands to go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than with two feet to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Now this evening I'm going to... Focus most of my remarks uh, on uh, on verses forty two uh, to forty seven. Just concentrating primarily on those verses. Cancer uh, begins with a single cell anywhere in the body. Something in the cell mutates and changes and transforms that cell into a malignant one, one that uh, can grow and grow, and it becomes an enemy uh, to... It, 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 the, it turns the body's own um, 
machinery into its own enemy. Uh, it replicates into thousands and millions of cancerous cells that become a tumor, and it invades healthy tissue, sucks all the nutrients, and begins to kill the person from the inside out. And the only way, uh, in, in some instances, in many instances, depending on where the cancer is, if you're able to, the only way to save that person is to cut it out or to kill it. That's what chemotherapy is. It's, it's, uh, in some ways, it's, it, it is a broader poison to kill uh, as many cells, including the cancer, or it's a targeted killing where it's, uh, it, it's, it's a chemical that kills only those cancer cells. And it's amazing to, to see the medical advances um, and, and the things that um, medical technology and pharmaceuticals have come up with. But the, uh, the only other thing, too, is to just cut it out. And uh, there are uh, – there's I guess you could say um, there's a, a radical approach now for, for some people where if there's a history of, for example, breast cancer – uh, in their families, and they they get a genetic test, genetic testing that they have that gene. Uh, you know, 23, 24, 25 year old uh, ladies who find out they have this gene, what they'll do is they'll just get a radical double mastectomy because uh, they don't want to take any chances, and, uh, and they'll 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 have reconstructive surgery, and, and that's pretty radical. Or in some other cases, they'll just remove limbs, uh, depending on where the cancer is. And, um, but, uh, a, a radical, a, a radical situation, uh, dictates a radical, uh, solution. And, um, and this is in many ways how sin and sanctification operate in the Christian life. That sin is, is a malignant tumor in our bodies that if left unchecked, can take over and in many ways lead to death. And it can spread into various areas of our lives and cause great damage. And here then, Jesus highlights uh, one of the most uh, radical approaches. This is one of the passages that disturb many people, if you take it literally. Um, is, is this a radical approach to stopping the spread of the cancer of sin in the Christian life. And so this, this evening, I want us to, to consider uh, the teaching of our great physician, the Lord Jesus Christ, that discipleship, the very nature of the Christian life, is a life of radical cancer surgery that cuts sin out of our lives so that we might live and not die. And so... Jesus points us to two aspects of discipleship in the Christian life. The first is discipleship as dying so that others might live and dying so that we might live. So discipleship is, is in, and I'm going to touch on this, is the mortification, the cutting off of sin within us so that we don't cause other people to sin and cutting off the sin within us so that we might not succumb to sin. So let's look at our passage this evening. Uh, Jesus here is describing the character of Christian discipleship. Um, just 
Uh, a little bit further up in verses 30 to 40, 38 to 40, he says that discipleship, the nature of discipleship is being on Jesus' side. If you're not against him, then you're for him. And then beginning in verse 42, discipleship then means he touches on, 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 uh, on what discipleship is as a mortifying of sin, a mortification, the old Puritans used to say, the mortification or the putting to death of sin, uh, what is left in us, uh, the sinful nature. Uh, listen to what Paul says in Colossians 3, 5, put to death, right? Literally mortify Therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Uh, Romans 8.13, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And so what we're, look, what, what, the, what Jesus is, is describing here is how to mortify sins uh, in, your, in yourself and also to uh, help uh, others, those around us, so that we don't cause them to stumble and fall and sin. And so how do we do that? First, we mortify sins so that other disciples might live. Look at verse 42. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, right, literally to stumble here, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Jesus evokes here images of throwing obstacles to cause others to stumble and fall. And he tells us that it's better to die than to cause someone else to stumble and fall. In, in other words, uh, maybe uh, if, if Jesus is, has in mind the, the, the very millstone that is tied around the person's neck as, a, as the, what causes somebody to stumble, the irony is that he's telling them, well, then take that and tie it around your own neck and jump into the ocean and sink to the bottom because it's better for you to do that than to cause a, another one of God's children to stumble and to fall. And so uh, it highlights then the gravity of sin, that is commensurate or proportional to the punishment of sin. Uh, that if you cause someone to stumble, um, it's better for you to, to then uh, not let that happen and just cut it off as soon as you're able. And so if you cause someone to, to stumble and, and sin, what's, here's, here's the interesting part, is that uh, in the Old Testament, you know, uh, the prophets talk about how the, the soul that sins shall die. Okay, so you, so there's a, a life for a life if, you, if there's sin involved. But what if you cause someone else to sin too? And, and I think uh, Jesus here has in mind the double, the double punishment when someone else is involved. And so you're doubly responsible uh, for your sin and the sin that causes uh, God's ch child to stumble as well. So what is Jesus saying here? He's saying that we have to die to ourselves and take up our crosses uh, so that we might not cause ourselves or anyone else to sin. Uh, Mark 8, 34 and 35. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. 
for whoever, whoever would save his life will lose it. You see that the, the paradox, the upside down nature of the kingdom. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. And so Jesus isn't literally telling us to, to tie a millstone around our neck and jump off a pier. Right? Um, this is hyperbolic language, pa- parabolic language. That um, that this is how seriously and and the the depth of gravity that we have to take with regards to our sins, and so he's telling us then to deny ourselves by fighting the sinful desires that characterize the life of sin that we once lived, to crucify them, to put them to death uh, at the cross through faith in Christ, uh, put them to death. Because Jesus bore them in his own body and suffered the punishment and the penalty and he died bearing our guilt and shame and sin. And therefore, when he died, our sins died with him there. It means taking all of our sinful thoughts, words, deeds, and placing them at the foot of the cross so that Jesus can kill them in his own body. Uh, Paul says this in Galatians 5.24, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And um, so that's what he's saying here. We have to die to ourselves so that we don't cause others to stumble because of us. So, so in other words, what he's saying is die to yourself before you cause someone else to die. Uh, and, then, and then secondly, We not only have to die to ourselves so that others won't die, but we have to die to ourselves and cut off the sin in us so that we might live. Now, Jesus is actually showing us in greater detail what it means to die to ourselves and mortify our sinful flesh. He's saying now that you know how to keep others from sinning, right? Taking the millstone and jumping, uh, uh, in other words, denying yourself and, and, and dying in a, in a metaphorical sense. But here's, here's, here's how you, you, you do it in a in smaller, more calculated, more focused, laser-like way. Uh, here's how you do it uh, in yourself, for yourself, by cutting off the organs of our sins. And so he describes here three ways to cut sin out of our lives. Our eyes, verse 43, our hands, verse 45, our feet, verse 47. These are organs, or, or, or as Paul talks about it in, in, in Romans, the members of sin uh, in our, that remains in our lives. They are, are, they are the parts of our lives that still compel us and drive us and tempt us to sin, to be like the old man the way that we once were, enslaved to sin. And, and I think in, in, in the process of sanctification and in the life of, of temptation, um, we're constantly battling our old nature, our old man. And it feels like we're enslaved to sin, but we're not. But, um, but it feels like we're enslaved, shackled in our hands, our feet, and, and, and so to speak, even in our eyes, you know, and this makes me think about um, that scene in, in uh, Clockwork Orange where they're forcing people to, to look at videos so they can be uh, programmed and indoctrinated. And they have these clips that force their eyes open and they, they can't help but see what they're being programmed to see. And sin acts that way. It, it feels like we're shackled and enslaved and it feels like our eyes are, 
are clamped open, that we're forced to see things. And um, so what Jesus is describing here is radical sin surgery uh, that shows us the gravity and the necessity to cut sin out of, out of our lives so that um, we can continue on in the Christian life. The hand, eye, and foot all represent the various ways in which we sin in our lives. Uh, Jesus begins with the hands in verse 43. And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. Right? Uh, What we read earlier in Proverbs, verse 16, was that uh, Proverbs talks about hands that shed innocent blood, right? The, it, it, the, the, the metaphor and the imagery in, in the Old Testament is that our hands are the organs, they are the ways in which we sin, right? The way in which we steal, the way in which we, we uh, uh, make a fist to strike our neighbor, uh, the way in which we take and touch and taste that which we ought not to. It makes me think about Adam and Eve. And when they saw that the, f- that the fruit was good for, the, for tasting and for the eyes, they reached out and took it and ate it. And, and Eve passed it on to, to, to Adam. He took it. Right? The language in, in, in Genesis is he took it and he ate it. How do you do that? With your hands. Think of all the sins that you've committed uh, with your hands, let alone just the, the, uh, the agency uh, with which you've did it. In verse 45, Jesus speaks of the foot, right? And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than with two feet to be thrown into hell. Right? Proverbs, again, refers to the feet that make haste to run to evil. Right? This reflects uh, the, the idea of walking as a way of life, as a lifestyle, to walk in the paths of righteousness or the path of sin and evil and rebellion, right? It is the way in which we, we choose, we deliberately choose to live our lives by walking to the destination or the road of our choosing, one that leads uh, to the broad way that leads to destruction or the narrow way that leads to, to righteousness and life. Uh, that's why you see throughout the uh, New Testament, over and over again, uh, walk by faith, not by sight. Uh, walk uh, in newness of life. Turn and repent from your sins. And so what, what uh, Jesus is talking about here is just the very, is the whole idea of, the, of our lifestyle, the way in which we walk uh, and we that leads us to sin, and therefore we have to cut our legs off, in other words, cut our feet off, whatever it takes. Um, and then in verse 47, Jesus speaks of the eye, and if our eye causes you to sin, if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Again, Proverbs refers to the eyes as haughty or prideful eyes. And again, this reflects how we see the world from our particular worldview. Uh, do we see the world 
with eyes of pride and sin and self-righteousness, that there is no God, and so we're the ones, so the, whatever we want to see, we see uh, as, the, as the center of our own universe. Or do we see the world in light of God's sovereignty, lordship, and existence so that we see ourselves as, as children of God, as servants of God, who live under God's kingship? It's the organ by which we see the world either self-centered or God-centered. And this is what 1 John 2.16 means when he refers to what is called the trinity of sin, right? The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the boastful pride of life. Uh, the eyes as the, as the windows into our, our soul, uh, whether it's God-centered or self-centered. You see, all these organs of sin speak to the way in which God mortifies sin in our lives. Our hearts are no longer enslaved to sin, but the remnants of sin in our flesh needs to be cut out and cut off. And these are the depths that we must be willing to go. We must cut off any contact with anything that would cause us to sin. If a relationship causes us, causes us to sin, cut it off. If looking at pornography online causes you to sin, cut it off. If a, if a particular situation is a temptation that causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better to suffer a smaller loss of discomfort, uh, of, of despair for a moment in time, to live without your computer, to live without uh, the riches and wealth of this world, to live without whatever creature comfort you think you need than to suffer the greater loss, the deeper loss of your eternal soul. And, uh, and what's interesting is that in, in actuality, we, we can never lose our salvation. But one of the ways in which God keeps the elect from falling away are warnings such as these. That's what all the warning passages in Hebrews and throughout the, the Pauline epistles is that, the, that he gives you all, he gives, the Lord gives us all of these warnings uh, so that the elect would listen, hear it, and follow the Lord. It's the means of perseverance and preservation. And so that's the way that I'm going to use it this evening, that, uh, that there, the danger is still there. But as God's elect people, as those for whom God's grace is operative in your life, that same grace will keep you from falling away. Uh, and it means being serious about your sins and, being, and, and cutting it off if it's going to cause you or someone else to stumble. There is a um, story. Uh, Aaron Ralston uh, I don't know how old he was, but uh, he was pretty foolish because he, he went hiking through the Canyon, Canyonlands National Park all by himself in a wilderness for miles and miles and miles. There was nothing. And he couldn't even get reception on his cell phone. I don't think he had it. And a boulder, as he's going through a canyon, a boulder fell on his arm and it pinned it to the, to the canyon. Uh, 
and, and he couldn't get free. And so he was there for, for at least a few days, and he thought that he would die there. And what he, he, what he realized is, you know, I cannot stay here. If I stay here, I'm going to die. And so how can I get out of here? I have to choose between my life or my limb. So what did he do? He chose his life and cut off his limb so that he could live. And so apparently he, yeah, I won't describe it, but he, he walked after he cut off his arm, uh, he walked for miles and miles back to, to a civilization and went to the hospital and, and uh, he lived. He's still alive. He wrote a book. They made a movie about him. It's called 127 Hours. And um, uh, that's the radical way in which we need to live our Christian lives. This is what Jesus is, is talking about. There's no middle ground. There's no lukewarmness. Uh, it's either you, you follow the Lord or you don't. You hate your sin or you love your sin. There's no in-between. And so discipleship is mortifying our sinful flesh. And here's the, here's the point here. Here's the beauty of, the, of, of what Jesus is saying here, that Jesus is implying. This is the presupposition of Jesus' warning here. It is, is discipleship is mortifying our sinful flesh, cutting off the members and organs that can cause us to sin in order to preserve the life that God has already given to us. Do you see that? It's not as if we're dead and we're trying to save ourselves. It's that he's given us new life and we're trying to preserve it. And so this whole passage presupposes that we're already alive and the cancer of sin is there, but it hasn't consumed us. And there's still, there's still a chance. You just cut it off so it doesn't take over. Or, or it doesn't cause more damage than it should. If we nip things in the bud early, then we save heartache and trouble later. I can't tell you how many times, how many times, how many times have you, uh, you know, saw a drip from somewhere, you know, a leak in a pipe or in your roof. And it's like, you know what? It's so little, I'll just put a little bucket there and I'll take care of it later. Uh, and then you, oh, you know, and then you just let time go by and by and then that leak turns, that, that drip turns into a, a, a waterfall and it damages your whole house and you gotta, you have to replace your whole roof or at least a large section of it, way more than if you had nipped it in the bud. And... And that's what Jesus is telling us. That's why he says, you know, cut off your hand, cut off, you know, your eye or your feet. Whatever it is that, that, you, that causes you to stumble, I don't know, that maybe that's pride. Maybe it's, it's a, a greed that you're, you're not aware of. Maybe it's that the need to be important or to have reputation uh, whatever your idol is, whatever you that causes you to sin, to rely upon yourself rather than on God. Um, whatever it is, are you willing to cut it off so that you might live for the Lord, that you might live for Jesus?
that you would die to yourself, uh, that you might live for him. Here's why, here, and let me close with this. Here is why we can mortify our sin uh, and that we can live for the Lord is because Jesus died for our sins. He gave us his life when he took, uh, when he died on the cross for us. That the mortification of sin and the, and the renewing of life in Christ is because Jesus died bearing our sin and rose again from the grave so that we might live for him. The hands that caused us to sin were nailed to the cross. The feet in which we walked in the paths of, of sin and unrighteousness were nailed to the cross. Uh, the, 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 the brow in which uh, you know, our pride and, and self-righteousness rested, he took a crown of thorns, a, a crown of humility upon his head. And the eyes, the eyes from which he saw the Lord as the servant of God, as the son of man, as, the, as God's only begotten son, dear and beloved by the Lord. When he cried out, my God, my God, for a moment, God turned his face away and he could not see the Lord. Can you imagine the horror of living before the Lord by faith, seeing him and on the cross, silence. The Lord turning away as he bore our sins, suffering the guilt and shame and wrath, and he died. See, in order for you to not stumble, in order for you to be saved, put it this way, Jesus tied the cross around his neck and, and jumped into the sea of God's wrath and died in our place so that we might live. Cut off his hands, his feet, his eyes so that we might have eternal life. And if Jesus can do that, Jesus has done that for us, then it is a small thing for us to cut the various things that cause us to sin from our lives. And we will be, we will be content because Jesus died for us. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you. We thank you that you um, uh, died for our sins so that we might die to ourselves. Lord, as we consider all that you have done for us, as we partake of the Lord's Supper, remind us, Lord, of what you sacrificed, what you did, so that we might live for you, that we might be saved. Bless us, O Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if the, uh, the elders and deacons can come forward.
we come now to uh, the portion of our service in which we partake of the Lord's Supper. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, Drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. This evening, we partake of the communion meal that which we call the Lord's Supper. It's the supper that the Lord instituted uh, for us on the night in which he was betrayed uh, in order to be dis- observed until he returns. Uh, the nature of this meal is not a re-sacrificing of Jesus's once for all death on the cross, as, the, as some would teach. Uh, but it is a remembrance of that once-for-all uh, sacrifice on the cross. And it's even more than a memorial and remembrance. It is a means of grace in which the full benefits of Christ's death and resurrection then are given to us through the bread and the wine as we partake of it by faith. That just as real as the bread and the wine are to our lips— so real is his grace to us through the Holy Spirit by faith to nourish us, to replenish us, and to give us all the grace that we need in order to live. And so we receive the, the sign of Jesus' body broken for us in the bread and Jesus' blood poured out for us in the wine that cleanses us that washes us whiter than snow, and as we partake of it, incorporate it into our faith, into our lives, so that it would call us then to a deeper gratitude for salvation, to renew us, to live for him, and to live in greater faithfulness uh, for the one who loved us with such an everlasting love. So this evening, I want to invite you all, if you put your faith in Christ, you are a baptized member in good standing, This is not Faith Presbyterian Church's table. This is the Lord's table. And so I invite you uh, to to let go of your sin, to turn and repent of them and receive the grace that is offered to you in the bread and the wine, in the very gospel tangibly given to you. Uh, And if you are a covenant child who has not yet made profession of faith, this is an invitation to you as well, that as the the bread and the wine comes by, uh, I want you to consider where you stand with the Lord Jesus Christ. And one day soon, I hope, uh, you can make profession of faith, own Jesus for yourself, and at the next next time you can partake as well. And uh, and if you haven't put your faith in Christ yet, uh, this is also an opportunity for you to consider the claims of Christ uh, that... uh, you can have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ to know the one true and living God who gives you all the grace that you need if you would put your repent of your sins and put your trust in Christ and that you would have a meal with him. What other religion, what other faith, what other worldview uh, uh, allows you to actually sup together with the God of heaven and earth? no other religion. And so I hope you will consider the claims of Christianity. Let's pray together. Our Father, as we partake of this meager yet uh, sumptuous meal 
as we partake of it by faith, Lord, would you bless it not only to our bodies, but to our souls. Lord, would you give us all the grace that we need uh, from Christ and all the benefits of him in the gospel. Bless us this evening, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.